Come on. Get your Bibles out. Let's do it. Hey, did you mention the 101 class, Tim? I was, I was greeting a visitor back there, so I... Uh, so, if nothing else, you get a free meal. That's... Oh, come on. Are you going to be a tough crowd this morning? That was, that was funny. And uh, look, coming to the class doesn't mean you're committing to join the church. It just means that you're coming to uh, find out a little more about what we believe, our doctrine, our vision for the church, to see if this is really the place for you. And then you can really uh, click and plug in and be a part of the team. But God's doing some great things right now. I love this church. I've been a church for... Hey, well, thank you. Let's, let's just do that. I like this. Okay, I need the lights up. Can we? Oh, 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 yeah. We have a video. Hey, why don't we do that first? Life moves fast. Sometimes I can't keep up. I can't think that fast. I can't be that productive. I try, though. I engulf myself in my work. When life is busy enough, I stay so busy that I soon forget. Forget about you. God, I know I need to slow down. I know I can't keep up with this. Shifted to him on the couch. Did, did, you, did you feel that? Okay, that is what God is after. And today, uh, to some of your chagrin, we're going to continue on this topic of slow down. And if it's irritating you that we've been talking about slowing down for three weeks, that's an indicator that you need to slow down. We live in an entertainment-driven, uh, acquisition-driven uh, culture, and God is not moving at our culture's pace. So we, as the people of God, need to shift and operate at His kingdom pace rather than allowing the world to push us out of control and live at the world's pace. And then we will find God's peace. So God's speaking to us very clearly right now about this word. Last week, we ended the sermon with the illustration of the hummingbird whose heart pounds 1,260 times per minute. And the elephant's heart pounds 40 or 28 times per minute. So around here, we're asking ourselves a question now. Do you have the heartbeat of a hummingbird or the heartbeat of an elephant? I was sitting outside thinking about this last week again after I preached it. And there again, I'm watching the hummingbirds. Those guys are freaked out. I mean, I'm sitting there in the chair and he comes up to the humming, he comes up to the feeder. He's like this. He goes, There's nothing around you, dude. Chill out. I wanted to go up and stand right behind him and say, I got you covered. Just focus on eating and just enjoy yourself. I will protect you from all the bears and the, and the hawks and anything else that's going to come after you. I don't know if a bear could catch a hummingbird, but anyway. Okay, listen. Just go with it, would you? But I wonder, I don't even wonder. I've got to say, certainly God looks at us and he sees us acting like hummingbirds. And I bet you he's saying, dude. Would you just chill out? Didn't I say I've got you covered? If you seek first the kingdom of God, I'll add all these things to you. That he that dwells under the shadow of the most high 
No evil will befall you. I mean, hasn't God over and over and over again said he will take care of us, and yet we're going around like hummingbirds, just trying to make it. We're just, just so anxious. And you remember how I said when I preach things like this, when anybody teaches, Jesus confirms the word with signs following, and that he will give you opportunities this last week to slow down, and many times his signature will be on that opportunity. How many of you believe that God gave you some opportunities this week to slow down and you recognize them? We'll start with just recognizing them. We're not going to go to that you actually do it, okay? Because I know that would be a whole other level of accountability. How many of you actually did it? Here we are. All right, look at that. Okay. Well, when I came home last Sunday, listen to this. I used that hummingbird illustration. I've never used a hummingbird illustration ever before in my life. We've been living in this house for 10 years. We've had hummingbirds all around our house ever since Miss Brenda, Miss Brenda moved in quite a few years ago because she put all the feeders around the house. And last Sunday, I come home from this illustration. I go to my office and all of a sudden the kids say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And Hope says, Honey, come here. And so I go right into the kitchen. I'm like, what? And they said, there's a hummingbird caught in the house. Now, immediately, all of the prophetic people and intercessors of the house are like, Oh, well, we know what that means, Pastor. Some of the other ones are like, well, that's a coincidence. I like what Dr. Bob Wilhite says when he comes and says, well, it might be God, so I'm going to believe it. That's kind of where I lean. I look at that and I see that hummingbird trapped up there and he's just going crazy. And I'm getting this hummingbird out of, our, out of the house, you know. I get the Tupperware bucket and I get the lid and I catch and all the kids are freaking out. And I take the hummingbird out and set it free and Oreo's jumping up and trying to bite it and eat it before it goes away. And, and I look at Hope and I said, do you think God might be trying to communicate something to us? I pray that you are keeping your eyes and ears open to how this might apply to your life. Please don't get into the posture saying this doesn't apply to me. And please don't get into the posture saying, well, if you understood my life, you would understand why I can't slow down. Okay? You can't box yourself in like that because you're going to miss what the Father is trying to bring to you. The truth is, really, slowing down is about trust. It's trusting that God really is. Watching your life. The Bible says that not a hair from your head falls to the ground without your father knowing about it. The Bible says that we are the apple of God's eye. It says two sparrows don't fall to the ground unless God knows about it. And yet we are worth more than many sparrows, God says. You as a parent, just hawk over your children. Do you not believe that God is hawking over you? His precious child. The pinnacle of his creation. The whole reason he sent his son to die on the cross was for you. And yet he's not going to pay attention or ignore or miss something in your life. See, it's really about trust. That God is on my side. God does care about me. God will intervene on my behalf if I will just slow down. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 127. Except the Lord. Will you go there with me? Psalm 127. It's on the PowerPoint too, but it's also great to open your Bible. See it for yourself right there. You know, it's really important, critical, essential to open the Word, the Bible, and read it. I mean, I'm a Bible teacher. I've read the Bible numerous times. And yet, when I need to connect with God, I go open the Bible and I will read a passage I could quote verbatim to you. 
See, memorizing a passage and quoting it is different than seeing it. The Bible says, God says to Moses, keep the word in front of your eyes. There's something very powerful about looking at the written word and letting it go into you again. And you're stopping, you're meditating, you're eating. You see, Jesus says that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Proceeds as a current, it's a present participle. It means that it is, it's a proceeding, what is presently proceeding from the mouth of God. So you get the word of God right in front of you, the same scripture you've read a million times. And yet, if you'll look at it with your eyes and slow down, God, the Holy Spirit, will begin to speak that word right into you fresh and new and say something to you you've never heard before. Or say something you've heard before, but it's fresh and new. How many of you have, have, have eaten pizza before? Raise your hand. You've eaten pizza. How many of you have eaten your favorite pizza before? Okay. Are you ever going to eat that again? Or are you just going to live on the memory of it? The Word of God is living and powerful. It is not just a historical book. It's not just black ink or red ink on white paper. It is God food. And it will feed your spirit. You've got... To open it and read it and eat it and let it transform and empower you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Psalm 127 says this. Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to take rest late, to eat the bread of anxious toil. For he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. Now, some translations say he gives his beloved sleep, which is true that he will give us the blessing of sleep. But it also says he gives us blessings in sleep. But it comes back to trust. If we're not trusting him as we close in our eyes to go to sleep, then we are not going to have the blessings of God in sleep. We will have horrible dreams. We'll have this anxiety. We'll have this pressure. We'll wake up three or four times in the middle of the night because we're not trusting the love and goodness of our father. I remember a testimony Tim has. It's just remarkable. He's a finished carpenter. He does crown molding. And there was one house he was doing. And the angle of the, um, the room was so difficult and challenging for him, he could not figure out the measurements. This is a true story. He's right here. He'll tell you himself. He went to sleep that night. And in the middle, in, in sleep, God gave him a dream. And the dream was a piece of paper with the measurements written out on it. Not quite? Well, then you get up and tell it. And it better be good because... We're already up in it. Now, that's what, I thought you said that's what it was. No. All right. Well, let's see what happened. I, in my dream, um, I asked the Lord, who was a carpenter, to show me how he would do it. And um, in my dream, I did it. I made this template, and I put it against the saw, and I turned it to a certain degree. And I made the cut, and then I did it the other side. And then I went to this vaulted, crazy angled piece, and it went together like butter. And then I woke up. And I, my heart was racing, and I ran downstairs, and I wrote down everything that I did. And then I went, we had the crazy angle in our house, too. And I went, and I did it in my garage, and I went back, and it fit perfect. And so I, I wrote down all the notes of what God showed me in the dream. All right, that's even better. Right on. How cool is that? You see, let's read it again. For he gives blessings to his beloved As you stay awake all night, anxious about life. (laughs) Is that what it says? Let's say it out loud. For he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. You are the Lord's beloved. Now, look what he goes on to say. Behold, look, imagine this. 
shock of all shocks. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a punishment. A reward. As arrows are in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Sad, cursed, and unfortunate is the man whose quiver is filled with them. Your life will be pushed out of measure. You will never experience peace again if you have too many children. Is that what the scripture says? But isn't, I mean, I saw a bumper sticker the other day. I don't have a life. My children are in sports. And I thought there is a person who has allowed life to control them. I'm going to make some of you mad today, but I hope you get to a better place by being confronted by the reality that God's plan for your life may be different than the plan that you're living. If you're stressed, stressed out and stretched out, you don't have enough time, money, energy, and you feel like you can't meet all, make all the ends meet. What does the Bible say here? Happy, blessed, and fortunate is the man whose quiver is filled with him, exclamation point. You say, well, how could that be possible? It takes wisdom. It takes God's wisdom and God's help and divine intervention. We have to do it with God. So again, it comes down to trust. Our question is, if I slow down, won't I lose ground? With God, if we slow down and allow him to partner with us, we actually gain ground. Look at this passage. This is what the Lord says. So there's no question about who's saying this. The scripture says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now that doesn't mean turn away from him in that you don't believe in him anymore. Turning our hearts away from the Lord means we're not trusting him for our daily life anymore. We're trusting our own capabilities, our own wisdom, our own resources, our own own ingenuity. I don't have time for the Lord. I've got to go run, 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 run. That says we are turning our hearts away from the Lord and trusting in ourselves. The person who does that will be like a bush in the wastelands. We'll call you bush. He will not see prosperity even when it comes. You won't recognize it. You're too busy. Opportunities. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert and a salt land where no one lives. Now, if you would like that life, please stand. We will bless you with that. I'll prophesy this over you. No takers. Let's go to the next part because it gets good after the bad. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Now watch these characteristics. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Watch this. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now, that's, now you think if you, if you slow down, you actually produce more? That's what that passage says. If we will trust God, slow down, listen to him, and then do what he says, not only do we produce more, he intervenes into our daily lives in a much higher percentage of intervention than if we are doing it ourselves and just running around. He'll just let us run around, running around, running around, running around until we finally collapse. And then we'll look up and he'll say, hi, I've been here all along. Are you ready to do it my way? And we, he comes and scoops you up and then he begins to teach us 
wisdom. I'm trying to help all of us not get to that place where we're burned out and ready to fall out before we look up again and ask God for wisdom. Look what Jesus says. Well, here's this passage again that we're going to revisit for the third week because you can literally pull one one phrase out of this passage and just teach on it all day long. There's one I'm going to capitalize on today. This is these principles we just taught about the Lord building the house, trusting him. Not depending on yourself, depending on the Lord and the application we see in this experience of Jesus visiting Mary and Martha's home. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? That's how you can feel when you've stretched yourself out, stressed yourself out, and you're you're about ready to burn out, and you feel like God doesn't care about me, or he would not allow me to be in this condition. But the, the probability is you've got yourself into that condition. Tell her to help me. The Lord responds, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered with such kindness, not condemnation. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Now, here's the phrase we're going to capitalize on. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Every time I preach on this topic, I hear people say, I don't have time to have alone time with God. I just don't have time. And it irritates you when the preacher comes and starts saying you need to slow down and have alone time with God. Yeah, if you knew my life, you wouldn't be preaching that. Well, do you want to swap stories? We could all sit here all day long and talk about each one of our lives, right? We're all incredibly busy. It is a choice. And the person that says, I don't have time to slow down, and that's not just externally, it's also internally. That is the real key, because if you can slow down internally, then God will give you wisdom to show you how to balance your life externally. But if you don't slow down and listen to him, then you are just going to be stressed out, staying up late, rising up early, not sleeping well. And you're just going to be throwing out these these uh, these help me prayers. And 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 a person, let me just say this real blunt to you, because I love you. The person that says I don't have time is a victim. You are living the life of a victim. Life is life is living me rather than me living life. Then what do you suppose I do? I don't know. Listen to God. You see, I can't put my grid on your life and say you have to do it my way. God doesn't want you stressed out and stretched out and hating life and burned out. He doesn't want that for you. That's not his yoke for your life. So if that is the yoke you're wearing, you need to stop and say, Jesus, what is it you need me to cut out? What is it you would like to say to me? I will do whatever you say. And if you let the architect of your soul, the architect of your life, talk to you, he will pour wisdom into you and he will help you live a balanced, fruitful life. The Bible says they that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Not be a victim of life. Reign in life through Christ Jesus. And wisdom is a big part of that. God's wisdom. And so... I'm going to look at the three things that God gives to us when we slow down and connect with him. Number one is perspective. Now, we looked at this last week, so I'm not going to um, dwell on this. Only one thing is needed, Jesus said, and Mary has chosen what is better. 
See, many times it's not a choice between bad and good. It's a choice between good and better. That Jesus wants you to pick the better part. Secondly, is his peace. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Listen to what the uh, what Jesus says. This is such a critical verse for us. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden that I give you is light. Isn't that interesting? He says, my yoke is easy and the burden I give to you is light. So if the yoke that you and I are feeling is not easy and light, then it's probably not Jesus's yoke. But there's a key phrase in here. He says, let me teach you. Come to me, which is first, and let me teach you how to live life well. You see, God is not impressed when we are suffering. It doesn't make us more holy. I remember when I'd go down to the, I went down to these churches in uh, South America or South Mexico that, that we oversee. And we'd go to this convention and everybody's just wiped out and tired. They've been on a three-day bus ride. They have all their kids with them. And then they're getting up at 6 a.m. for these prayer meetings. And I went to the head guy and I said, why do you guys do 6 a.m. prayer meetings? Well, it's part of the culture. And really, it's the more we suffer and the more we sacrifice, the more God is pleased with us. And I said, the Lord isn't pleased with your suffering. He's, his son suffered for you on the cross. Why don't you start the prayer meeting at 7 or 8? As though somehow the Lord's going to be disappointed because you, you, you get a good night's rest. You get up to be with your family, have some breakfast. Then you can go pray. Is the prayer more powerful at 6 a.m. than it is at 8 a.m.? Is God really impressed with the fact that you guys have had no sleep and you're crying out and groveling and begging him? That doesn't please the Lord. We wouldn't want to do that to our children. We want the best for them, right? He does not, he's not impressed with our suffering. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs three thirteen and 17. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. All her paths are what? Peace. So let's get practical. If you are not experiencing the light yoke and the peace of God, which is the second thing God gives to us when we slow down, there may be some reasons for it. Maybe, number one, A, you are doing more than God has called you to do. This is about self-control. Now, this is interesting. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, and the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness. And we say, oh, aren't those wonderful? Oh, yes, the Holy Spirit's love. Oh, the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. And then somehow this, 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 somehow this characteristic got snuck in somehow to the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control? Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, could you imagine? Would you, I mean, we can have conferences on the Father's love. Oh, people rush to it. A conference of the joy of the Lord. We all rush to it. A conference on peace of God. Come experience. Oh, yes. A conference on self-control. 
crickets. And yet self-control is one of the most important characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that you can have. Look at these passages. If you sit down to eat with the ruler, the book of Proverbs says, notice the food that is in front of you. Control yourself if you have a big appetite. Don't be greedy for his fine foods because the food might be a trick. And Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to control yourself. Wealth can vanish in the wink of an eye. It can seem to grow wings and fly away like an eagle. Now, these passages aren't primarily about eating food and making money. They are about self-control. They're about recognizing that when life presents opportunities to you to make money, life presents opportunities to you to uh, go to more games or to go to the mall more often or to have more parties or to go on more vacations or to work overtime. And we don't have self-control. We gobble, 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 gobble. And before you know it, we've spent more money than we have. We've spent more time than we have. And we don't have time for church. We don't have time for the word. We have plenty of time for Facebook. Sorry, Facebook proves we have time to pray. See, I told you I'm just going to make some of you mad today, but I'm trying to wake and shake you out of the denial and the victimized mentality and say, listen, how much TV do you watch? Really? Come on, just stop. That's between you and God. But I'm asking you to ask yourself the question. How much time are you on Facebook? How much time are you texting like this? How about you just don't reply to the text and your friends sometimes and just stop and say, I'm going to give this time to God and connect with him. Text God. He's been texting you and you're not replying to him. Now, am I against these things? No, I'm talking about self-control. Let these things let these things be tools for you as you have control of your life so that you can do the will of God. Rather than all these opportunities, you sit down with a ruler who has all these wonderful food, you overwork to be rich. In other words, these opportunities come at you and you just go, oh, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to do. I got to have it. All of a sudden you're on this pace and more technology increases. The faster we go and the more opportunities we have, the more we have to take. And all of a sudden your life is overloaded and it's not Jesus's burden and it's not his yoke. Self-control is critical. Look at this passage. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, what does that mean? It means your life, your relationships, your finances, your health are falling down like a wall. They're breaking down and it makes you vulnerable because you're saying things you regret when you don't control yourself and it, and it hurts your relationships. Spending more money than you have. You're vulnerable to anything that comes at you and you got to have it. This is why I know this is going to sound extreme. My children are not allowed to watch commercials. Thank God for DVR. They have to pause the commercials and you say, wow, that's pretty strict. Listen, the commercial industry changed about 30 years ago from offering you the things that you need to telling you the things that you desire really are the things that you need. They completely switched the philosophy in the advertising industry because they want you to buy more. So what they will do is they will advertise in such a way that you feel like you are missing out. 
You mean you don't have the new BlackBerry and iPhone? You have that old thing? Dude, you're not hip. You know what? That, that thing's been working for me just fine. I don't need 250 dang channels on my, my dish network. Maybe you do. Maybe that's your need. Maybe you need it. See, maybe some people have different needs. I don't need the thousand. I got a call yesterday from Dish Network. Do you know that we could bump you up? I said, we have below basic because we like to have as little as possible. She goes, oh, okay, thank you. And she ended the phone call. It's like the first time a salesperson ended the phone call. All right? It's self-control. Now, I'm not putting my convictions on you. This is what works for me and my family. We got the below basic and then we blocked out a whole bunch of channels. We just have a handful. It's, it's about self-control. Now, why pause the commercials? Because when Elliot was about three years old, he'd lay on the couch, and, and, and all of a sudden, especially around Christmas time, a commercial comes on about this new thing that you've got to have. And he lays on the couch, and he says, I want that. I want that. I want that. I watched it go right into his little eye. He didn't even know about it. You're not even hungry, and all of a sudden, there's a commercial on. Oh, I'm hungry. You weren't hungry a second ago. The lust of the eyes. Hey, my dad was in the restaurant business. And we would have these pipes that you pump the smell of the food out onto the sidewalk. People aren't even thinking about eating until they, they smelled something. Oh, I'm hungry. You see? And if we don't control ourselves, I'm going to say another thing. In a parenting, you have got to teach your children delayed gratification. They will hate you. They will think you're mean. They will say, hey, all of my other friends have it. Let them not like you. Be a parent. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Don't let the foolishness that's bound up in the heart of your child dictate your household. You're the parent. They joined you. You did not join them. You were here before them. That's what we tell our kids. Me and mommy were here before you. You joined us. This is our family that you're allowed to be a part of. We decide what goes. They hate it. But I don't care that they hate it. Because at the end of the day, they love us for it. Because foolishness is that they don't have self-control. You've got to have some self-control for them. Can I hear an amen? Because then you end up spending way too much money on texting, way too much money on cell phones, way too much money on sports equipments, way too much money on toys, way too much money on the XPs and the PXs and the STPs and the PBDs. I mean, you got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. And you're spending this money and it's out of control. Like I said just recently, last week, we, I saw this happening to our family with sports. We pulled our kids um, out of sports, not all sports. Elliot's still going to be in baseball and in high school. It's a little different story. But they're allowed to do one thing. And so when we pulled our two daughters out of uh, soccer, one, it saved money. Secondly, it saved us running around like our chicken with heads cut off. And you know what we ended up doing last Saturday instead? We all ended up at the YMCA because we bought a family membership, which was a lot cheaper. I can work out there now rather than the 24-hour fitness and be with my family. And last Saturday, we're all in the pool at the YMCA together as a family. And I sat back and looked at this, and they're having a blast. Rather than I would have been at a soccer game in the morning with Lily, and then Hope would have been at a soccer game in the afternoon with Isabella, plus you got the practices. So on Saturday, we would be going like this and missing each other rather than all of us being right there together as a family. And then we all went to Baskin-Robbins and ice cream cones afterwards. It was a wonderful day. It was simple. It was inexpensive, and we were at peace. It's just, it's just one example of things that maybe you can analyze what you could be doing better to get your life under control. Jesus did this. 
he had to control himself. Uh, people came to him and said, you're so incredible, we want you to be king. And he had to control inside as we as human beings want to be exalted. He said, it's not my time. I'm not going to let you guys make me king. He didn't react when he was punished, when he was on the cross, when they were falsely accusing him. Self-control. says he was like a lamb to the slaughter, didn't say a word. That takes self-control not to defend yourself. When he was being tempted by Satan in the desert, self-control. When Satan tried to lure him into sin, he had to have self-control. There are too many choices in life, too many desires in our hearts, too many opportunities being presented to us, too many ministry needs and people that have needs and are suffering for you to meet all these needs. It can be a trap. And you can't say yes to the better, which is what God is calling you to do. All right, I'm going to do this last point, and then I'm not going to do uh, point three, and I'll, I'll close. So first of all, when we slow down and listen to God, we are going to gain his perspective. Secondly, we're going to gain his peace. And under peace, if you're not experiencing his peace, it may be that you are doing more than God's called you to do. But secondly, it may be this. You may say, look, I, I know I'm doing God's will. I know I have, I'm doing what, what he's called me to do, but it's still stressing and stretching me out. Well, maybe you're just not managing well what God has called you to do. It's about time management. And this is where wisdom comes in. Look what the book of Psalms, verse 90, chapter 90, verse 12 says. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us the number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What I'm saying to you is God wants your life to be balanced. You really have to have your ear open to him for him to tell you what's important and what's not important. You need to have the emotional fortitude to say no. When people are requiring something from you, extracting something from you, needing something from you, and you know that you don't have the time or resources, you need to have the emotional strength, the mental strength to say no. My wife right now is in Louisiana. Her dad died on Monday. And she's back there and she, you know, she's raising six kids. She's a pastor's wife. She's also in pre-med. She's a busy lady. And she does not have time to pull up and go to Louisiana to do this. But she has to because her father. So she goes there and her sister is there. And her sister is calling her and wanting hope to do all these different things. And other people are asking things of her. And she got a hotel room. And she, that, is her, that is her home base. On purpose. She's got a hotel room that's very close to everybody. And she is deciding who to see, how long to see them, when to see them, what to say yes to and what to say no to. And she's disappointing some people. But she's okay with that. She realizes, I have to be okay with people not being happy with me. Because I have a stewardship issue. Let me say this last thing and then we'll, we'll leave with this. It's about boundaries. 
Stewardship is not the same thing as selfishness. I had to learn this early in ministry. I, I, I was going to quit the ministry. My sister talked me back into it. She's a psychologist, and she recognized something that I wasn't recognizing. And that is, when people would need me, I would feel obligated to meet their need because I'm a pastor. You're a mother. Maybe you're a businessman or businesswoman, a manager. You have employees or clientele. And people just are pulling at you all the time. And I burned out. And I thought that if I said no to somebody who was desperate, which you have a lot in ministry, people run into problems and we're here to help meet those needs. That's why I'm a pastor is to help meet the needs of the body of Christ and to empower the body of Christ to live life victoriously for the for Jesus and the kingdom of God. And that should also be your assignment is let's get the wisdom of God. Let's help people reach out. But there's too many people. Jesus even said you will have the poor with you always. What this woman's doing right now, spending this money to worship me, might be really afflicting some of you because, as Judah said, like he really cared, this money could have been given to the poor. And Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. But what's happening right now is important. And what I had to learn was that when I say no to somebody who needs something from me, because I know it will take time away from something that's, that's, that I'm responsible for. Right now, my wife needs me. Right now, my kids need me. Right now, maybe one of you need me and somebody else is asking for me. I, I've learned that not being able to answer that need is not selfishness. It's good stewardship because I don't have all the time. I don't have all the money. I don't have the spirit without measure like Jesus did. But even Jesus only had 24 hours in the day, just like you. So you need to discern what is the will of God for me. I need to be a good steward over what I'm responsible for. And it's not selfish when I cannot move out and meet these other needs because it will take away from other areas that I know I'm called to. Can I hear an amen? amen. And you've got to have the emotional fortitude to be able to do that. You don't understand what I mean by that. People aren't going to like you. They're going to be mad at you. And they're going to say you're insensitive and uncaring. You have to be okay with that to do the will of God. Get your life in order. Use the fruit of self-control. You say, well, that's really strange. All the other fruits seem to be the fruit of the Spirit, but then that one's called self-control. It's the self-control that the Holy Spirit has in His character. And He will impart that into your character and give you wisdom to understand how to control your life. It's His self-control that is imparted into your character. So I'm going to challenge you this week when you think and you say, I don't have enough time. Think about this. Say, I am not going to be a victim. I am not going to play that victim card. God does not want me living like this. There is wisdom for me. There is grace for me. There is good stewardship for me. And I'm going to figure out what that is with the help of God and my husband, my wife. And we are going to get our lives under control. And I'm going to experience this peace and this light yoke Jesus is talking about. Because that's his will for my life. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Jesus, first of all, we just want to say thank you that your will for our lives is a light yoke and an easy burden. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that your will for our life is peace. Father, I pray today for those who heard this word today. 
And it was a hard word for them to hear, but they know it's truth. I pray this week, God, that they get their flesh under control, reject the victim mentality, and find you. And they can stand on their own two feet, strong and solid, healthy and peaceful, with the wisdom of God, and get their life under control. Lord, we ask you to continue to communicate to us this week in multiple ways of how we have an opportunity to slow down. And may we find you there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're here today and uh, you've never been to the gathering place, but you would like to learn more about it. Could you fill out that guest card and uh, drop it off in the offering uh, or drop it off at the visitor center on the way out. And uh, also don't forget the membership class next Sunday at our house. We'd love for you to become a part of this community. And finally, if you've never given your life to Christ, let me say the most important thing you'll ever hear. Heaven is a free gift. You can never earn it. You can never be good enough. You're not going to impress God when you show up on judgment day and say, hey, I'll, you know, I did to my neighbor as they would do unto me. First of all, that's not true. Secondly, the Bible says the penalty of sin is eternal separation from God, spiritual death. And the destination is a place called hell. That is the truth. That's why Jesus had to be slaughtered on the cross for you. If you could get to heaven by being a good person, then why did God kill his son for you? The truth is you have sinned and you have a death penalty hanging over you and only Jesus can remove it. Well, how do you do that? All you have to do is invite him into your heart and lay your life down to Jesus and say, I accept what you did on that cross for me. I am a sinner, but you paid the price for me and I need to humble myself and accept that free payment. If you will do that right now, God is watching and God loves you. And if you would receive his son, what God will immediately do is take this huge eraser in heaven and erase all the sins you've ever committed. And he will write your name into the book called the book of life. And you will become his son or his daughter. Your sins will be forgiven. I'm talking about right now. And then his spirit will be breathed into your soul and you will experience a peace from God that you've never known before. And you will be what's called born again. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you're in this place today and you need that, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And if you need that, I'm going to ask when I dismiss everybody in just a moment, instead of walking out that way, would you please come down this way and let me pray for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation for you. And God is going to forgive you. And welcome you into his heavenly family. If anybody else needs prayer for any other reason, the prayer teams would be down here to pray with you. And I want to encourage you to go to a connect group this week. I have a testimony here from a connect group that was so powerful. I was going to read it today. I'll do it next week. But they slowed down in their connect group and God came upon them at their connect group this week in such a powerful way uh, that it's, it's just just remarkable. Physical healings, baptism in the Holy Spirit, prophecies. It was just incredible. Walking this out together in community. So go to a connect group. But if you need a salvation prayer, come this way. You need healing, come this way. Otherwise, God bless you guys. May God's face shine upon you. Be the salt and light of the world this week. In Jesus' name, amen.